All right. If you've got your Bibles, I invite you to grab them and turn to the very back. If you want to use the Pew Bible, we're in the very last book of the Bible, the very last two chapters, chapter 21 and 22. Chapters 21 and 22. Marion read chapter 21 for you. I'm going to read chapter 22, and then we'll jump in. So let's read it together. Revelation 22. Then the angel showed me the river, the water of life, as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb, down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing twelve crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the trees are for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city, and His servants will serve Him, and they will see His face, and His name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more night. There will be, there will not, they will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun, for the Lord God will give them light, and they will reign forever and ever. And the angel said to me, These words are trustworthy and true. The Lord, the God who inspires the prophets, sent his angel to show his servants the things that must soon take place. Look, I am coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy written in this scroll. I, John, and the one who heard and saw these things, and when I heard that, heard, when I had heard and seen them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who had been showing them to me. But he said, don't do that. I'm a fellow servant with you and with your fellow prophets and with all who keep the words of the scroll. Worship God. And then he told me, Do not seal up the words of this prophecy of the scroll, because the time is near. Let the one who does wrong continue to do, let the one who does wrong continue to do wrong. Let the vile person continue to be vile. Let the one who does right continue to do right. And let the holy person continue to be holy. Look, I am coming soon. My reward is with me. And I will give to each person according to what they've done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes that they may have the right to the tree of life and may go through the gates into the city. Outside are the dogs, those who practice magic arts and the sexually immoral, the murderers, the idolaters, and everyone who lives and practices falsehood. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to give you this testimony for the churches. I am the root, the offspring of David, the bright morning star. The Spirit and the Bride say, Come. And let the one who hears say, Come. And let the one who is thirsty come. And the one who wishes take the free gift of the water of life. I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this scroll, if anyone adds anything to them, God will add to that person the plagues described in the scroll. And if anyone takes words away from the scroll of prophecy, God will take away from that person any share in the tree of life and in the holy city which are described in this scroll. He who testifies to these things says, yes, I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. And the grace of the Lord Jesus be with God's people. 
Amen. Let me pray. Father, thanks for this word, for this testimony that John has given to us, for your revealing it to him, and it's for our good. And so we want to thank you, we want to praise you as we come to it now, this morning. Help us understand that we may be changed, that it would be for your glory and for our good. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. So, we're at the very end of the book of Revelation. Perhaps you're like me, you're, you're thankful to be here. <clears throat> Your reasons may be different than my reasons, but here we are. Last week, we got to see the vanquishing of the evil one. It's over. So in those chapters there, uh, you know, 18, 19, 20, we see the finality of the beast, of the dragon, the, the, the three that are paired up, which represent the evil one. And so you get to that section and you have the great last battle and you sense the triumph in the air and, and, and then you're looking as you come to chapter 21 and chapter 22. And let me just, what do you expect there? Like, what do you expect to find when you get to chapter 21? Because in chapter 20, Jesus is doing away with the evil one and with all those who would follow him. And you get to chapter 21 and and chapter 22. I don't know about you, but I'm ready to hear about me. Like, what happens to us? I mean, give us something. I mean, tell us, you know, that's, that's kind of the rest of the story. That's the next phase. That's what you expect for. Tell me what it looks like to live happily ever after, right? Because isn't that really what is the end of the story? I mean, Jesus has vanquished the evil one. He is reigning. He's the lamb who was slain before the foundation of the world. And you get to the end and you're like, tell me about me and us and all of God's people, the the ones that you've rescued that have filled your train. What does that look like? Instead, we get to chapter 21 and we get a city. A city. Look at verse 10 of chapter 21. Come, and I will show you the bride of the wife of the Lamb. And he carried me away to a mountain great and high, and he showed me what? The holy city Jerusalem coming down out of heaven. If you look further up in verse 2, he says, I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven, prepared, uh, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And then what we get is a description of the new Jerusalem. So the new heavens and the new earth have appeared, and John sees the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, and then he describes for us a city. I don't know about you, but at first blush, I'm, I'm just a teensy bit disappointed. Like, I really, I wanted to hear, you get a few descriptions, but they're all, they're all tied to the city. So, what are the, some of the things that you've always heard about? What's it gonna be like in heaven? Well, there'll be no more tears. 
There will be no more sadness, no more pain, no more sorrow. He'll wipe every tear from every eye. Those are the descriptions. But you'll notice as you look at this section, those descriptions happen where? In the city. They're described in the city. So the city is the focal point of Revelation 21 and 22. You know it as heaven. That's typically the way it's described, but that's not the way that John is describing it for you. It's not the way it's presented to him. It's the new heavens and the new earth, but John is seeing the city. That's the focal point. That's what you and I have always heard about and thought about as heaven. But I want you to notice some things about the city, things that maybe you haven't thought about before. First, I want you to notice that the city that John sees and he describes for us is safe. It is, it is completely safe. Now let me ask you a question. Do you, do you value safety? Yeah. How many of you lock your doors at night? Some of you have more than one lock, right? Our resident Policeman says, yes, I lock my doors at night. He's also packing heat. Probably not this morning. But maybe he is. I don't know. All right, anyways. Some of you probably are. Why? Why do you pack heat? Because you want to feel safe. We love safety. We love security. We move places. We pick our homes because they're going to give us a level of a degree of security and safety. We live, we, we plan our lives around. Don't go down there after such and such and such and such because you'll be less safe. And, and the military, and I thought about like wearing my coat buttoned up and then doing one of these numbers to show you the reflective belt that I wear over my camouflage to keep me safe. Big companies or have a whole organization within them that's risk management. And their entire job is to make sure you're safe while you're doing your job. And let me tell you, in the military, it is over the top. When we want to have fun with, when we want to have fun with the boss, uh, when we, you know, we get together and we're, they're doing some sort of funny skits or something for a big all call, inevitably you have the guy that comes out and he has about 25 reflective belts on, right? Because if one's good, 25's better. They can see me coming. We laugh about it, but it's, it's a part of safety. We want to feel safe. Look at the city that is described for us. John says, it has a great high wall with 12 gates. And what's at each of the gates? An angel. Why do you think that angel's there? Because he is controlling access to the city. Exactly the way when Adam and Eve fell from the Garden of Eden, God put what? An angel to guard access to the tree of life. And these angels are at those 12 gates around that city providing access and making sure that no one is a part of that city that doesn't belong. But the gates are open. They're perennially open because there's no night. When do you lock your doors? At night? 
when you're not there, when you leave, right? But almost always at night, Jody goes around and locks all the doors at night. I, I would, I leave my keys in my car most of the time. So if you're ever looking for an easy pick, there, there you go. But the city is described as safe. It's the walls. In, in their days, in the days in which they lived, safe cities were walled cities. The bigger, the better. The thicker, the better. The higher, the better. And your gates were critically important. And so he is describing for us this amazing city with great high walls, with beautiful gates, but protected by angels. So the walls are solid, the foundation solid, the gates are guarded. The city, however, is also welcoming. It's safe, but welcoming. It's available. It's open for business to the multitude. But the city can never again be sacked. It can never again be overrun. It can never experience pain. The residents of the city are described for us Never again will they face martyrdom. Never again will there be crying in the city. Never again will there be pain or suffering. So the city is not, it's not just a walled fortress. It's a place where its inhabitants enjoy the serenity that only God can give. Now that's a description that you are familiar with as a description of heaven. And John is describing it. As what life is like in the presence of the Lamb in the new Jerusalem. Safety. Eternal safety. Why? Because in chapter 20, the evil one was vanquished. There's no more fear. Only security. Let me tell you. In a world, listen, we think about safety and security here. Just leave here and go to other parts of the world. Where, you know, the, the threat is constant. I remember, I remember being in Bahrain and driving up and there was a little section, um, in the city there, the base was south. We were way south. And, and they let us go up and go into the city. And there was a, a Chili's. I don't, I don't understand why they do this to us. But they punish military people by putting Chili's all around the world for us to eat at. But there was a Chili's. And, and after you've eaten chow hall food for a while, right, that's kind of what you want to go do. But they have it on this little street. And there was a Starbucks and a Chili's and about four or five restaurants, right, all clustered right there together. Not exactly the place you want to go eat in Bahrain, all right? Because all you're thinking to yourself is, yeah, so where's the bomber, you know? Um, so just go somewhere else. We, in this world, we know what it is to not feel safe and secure. You've been there, you've felt that. What John tells us is, the new Jerusalem is forever safe. He also tells us that it's a royal city. Now, I, I had a prop last week. Do you all remember my prop? My, my throne. There was a throne up here for a vacation Bible school. And Jody came home yesterday and announced, it's gone. They've taken your throne away. 
And I said it was Marion, wasn't it? Marion took the throne away. He was so jealous. But in the description, right, Marion read for us the description of the city. It's a description you've always attached to heaven, okay? Because the walls are made of jasper and the city is of pure gold as of glass. The foundations of the walls are decorated in every kind of precious stone. No, they're not just decorated with precious stones. The foundations, the very foundations of which there are twelve, are comprised of these precious stones. I don't know what... Some of those stones Marion read, but here are the ones I have in my translation. Jasper, sapphire, agate, emerald, onks, ruby, chrysolite, I don't know what that one is, beryl, topaz, turquoise, jacinth, amethyst. Now, that is the description of the foundation of the city. And the gates, the twelve gates, are pearls. Described as pearls, and it's one pearl. So it's not, so when I say the pearly gates, I guess you could be describing the twelve gates, right? But essentially, each gate is a pearl, is the way that John sees it. Now, what has he seen? He's seen the royalty of God in that city. It's, it's wealth. That's what he's seen. He has seen unimaginable wealth. I thought about this. I thought, okay, so I wonder what the, the, the richest temple would be today. If you go online, there's a list, and people are really proud of this. The, the wealthiest temple in the world is in India. I can't pronounce it, but it's said to be worth around $18 billion. $18 billion, that's a B. This description is of royalty. And royalty meant wealth. And so the description said, but think about this. The description is primarily of the foundations and the streets. The, the main street is described as a street of gold. You've always heard that, right? The, the streets in heaven are paved with gold. I want you to think about this. Which part of a city is the most important part? I mean, really, when you're thinking about it, it's it's the city itself. I mean, do you really, I, I mean, I guess this is the analogy is probably going to break down. Do you really care what it's built on? Yeah, you really do, okay? You don't want to be living on Yazoo clay. But think about that. That's typically the most unimpressive part of your city is what it's built on, or your house, or your structure. It's on concrete. You didn't, you didn't bring in, you know, large chunks of diamond to build your foundations on. You, you laid concrete. It's solid. It gets the job done. But you're going to really put your money in the beauty of the facade and the facilities itself. And so the city itself is largely not described for us. Its foundations are. Its gates are. But let me ask you a question. What does that lead you to? If the foundations are that impressive, what is the city itself? Have you ever asked yourself that? 
What is the city? What is it? Is it valuable? I mean, the streets are paved with gold. What's the rest like? What is the rest of this city like? It's, it's very royal. The king is in charge. That's reflected in everything that's going on. So just imagine for a second what the rest is like. And we're going to talk about it in a minute. It's a powerful image. It primarily given to show us that royalty of the dwelling of God, the Father and the Son, the Spirit. Here's the third point. The city is holy. It shines with the glory of God. We read here that there is no temple. Verse 22, I did not see a temple in the city because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. So here's the thinking. Because every religion has a temple, every, every religion has a place where you go, but you don't go anywhere. There, there is no need for a temple here. Why? Because God's present. He is there. And so where God is dwelling, that's typically what the temple was for, was God's dwelling place. But there's no need for a temple because the city is His dwelling place. The city is where God is. And so there's no temple there. God is there, and as He is there, that is the holy place. So in the temple, you had the holy of holies, that square. If you, if you're thinking now, start thinking, what is What is the city described as? When the angel measures it, how does he measure it? It's a square. It's a cube. Exactly like the cube called the Holy of Holies in the temple. And so God is here in His Holy of Holies, the New Jerusalem. And that makes the city holy. And its inhabitants are, verse 27, Notice who they are. Nothing impure will ever enter it, nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. The city is holy because the chief architect is holy, and it's also holy because its residents are finally at long last holy. Here's the fourth point. The city is satisfied. The city is satisfied. There's at least two ways that this is communicated in the text. The first is there's no sun and there's no moon, right? Uh, God is its eternal light. He is the one that gives light. You, you can't do anything without light. We have to have it. And so he is the one that is the source of light for us. And then if you'll notice at the very beginning as you move into chapter 22, there's a description as the angel shows John the river of life as a clear as crystal and it's flowing from the Lamb of God and of the Lamb. And where is it where is it going? Down the great street of the city. And on each side are the trees of life, and there are twelve of them, and their fruit their leaves, that what they are providing is the healing balm for the nations. And so this is describing for us that the people of God have need for nothing. He is providing it all. And that's exactly what you would expect. 
to find when you think about heaven. God's provision is perfect. Now, you can contrast that with where we are today and what it is like is your daily existence sometimes. And when you have five kids, it is really very much about food. All day long, right? Yes, Jody Jody says, yeah, sometimes she says, the kitchen's closed, and it's going to be closed for a long time, okay? We just bought 25 bags of Cheetos, and we're just going to eat those for a long period. Food. John describes for us its continual abundance in our midst as the river of life nurtures us. Here's the final point. Because food is waiting for us. The city is open. After you get all the way through the picture of the New Jerusalem and you get into chapter 22... You get a reprise, really. Because what you anticipate is, this is what it looks like, and isn't this awesome, and this is amazing, and this is how it's going to go. But you get into the middle of chapter 22, and John does something different. John says, this is the city. This is the amazing City that awaits you. This is the treasure that is yours, right? That's the end of the book. That's what you're hoping for. That's what you're waiting for. And then he says, and Marion read it as our call to worship. He says in verse 17, the spirit and the bride say, come. And let those who hear, and let the one who hears say, come. And let the one who is thirsty, come. And the one who wishes to take of the free gift of the water of life, let him come. And so you get to the end of the book. The evil one's been vanquished. We get the picture of the city. And you think to yourself, that's it. That's the end of the story. And it could be the end of the book of Revelation. You could have stopped it right there as he showed you the city. But he doesn't. He shows you the city. And then he says, it's not too late. It's not too late. If you're standing on on the edge of the river, come over. If there's something holding you back, come on. If, If you've lived your life as a Pharisee and you're empty on the inside, it's not too late. You can still come over. And so he gives this amazing invitation and says, it's not, it's not over. It's not done yet because Jesus hasn't returned. And so the city isn't finalized until the Savior comes. So we get this weird kind of an ending, which is not the ending. He's saying, it's not done yet. It's okay. You can still come. And that makes sense. And here's why it makes sense. Remember what I said at the beginning? I said, what do, you, what do you expect when you get to chapter 21 and 22? You expect to hear about who? You. 
you expect to hear about us, right? And guess what? It really is about us. John does this weird thing where he talks about the city. But guess what? You are the city. I'm the city. The church is the city. Is it a city? Yeah. But it's really us. It's really a picture of us. And and look at the way that he does this. If you still have your Bible open, he says, Come, I will show you the bride. Who's the bride? Who's the bride of Christ? The church. He says, Come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. So we know who the Lamb is. We know who the wife of the Lamb is. That's the church. Verse 10. And he carried me away in the Spirit to the mountain, great and high. And then, what did he show him? He showed me the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven. You see, what John is seeing is the new Jerusalem. But the new Jerusalem isn't a city. It's a people. And so what he has just described for us is a people, a safe people, a holy people, a well-fed people, a people belonging to God, a people who are now the priesthood, a people who are who belong to Him and have been caught up in Him. He is describing us. The city is us. And so in this weird kind of a way, it all makes sense in the end. What is heaven about? It's not about streets of gold. What did I ask you? I asked you the question, if the foundations are that amazing, what in the world could trump that? And you know what trumps pearls? You know what trumps amethyst and and turquoise? You do. You trump every bit of that. Because think of what he says to us in the garden. He says, chief of my creation is man. And so when you get to the very end, who is God exalting? Well, He is exalted, but He exalts man. He lifts us up and He he says, yes, you are the bride of Christ. You're what I gave my Son for. And He draws us all together. What an amazing picture. So here's what I would tell you this morning. First, The invitation is still there. Come. Notice how he says it. The Spirit and the Bride, they say come. And that's a twofold come. Jesus, come. And you who are out there, come. And then he says this, right? And let the one who hears say come. Are you with? Do you get that? The one who has already heard, the one who gets it. Join that chorus. So the Spirit and the Bride are saying come, and those who are hearing and still coming, they're echoing the come. And so what happens then is there's this multitude of people now who are announcing the city is open. Come join it. And that's where you come in. That's a beautiful part that you and I get to play in announcing the city is still open. That love, that grace, that mercy, that triumph, that security, it's all available. And God says, come.
And then the final reminder for us, as we do, right? We have that access to this amazing city. We are that amazing city. He is building us. What did Jesus say? I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And the really, really amazing thing is he's not done building his church just yet. And we get to be a part of it. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this amazing passage. The beauty that it's wrapped up in here. The the way in which you've communicated to us how very much you love us and how special we are. And when we see Christ, the Lamb, at the center of it all, and we're reminded that He gave His all for us to bring us into this family, to this people, and that even now we get to experience that in just a small taste. We thank You. In Jesus' name, Amen.